The reading is Psalm 23, and this can be found on page 555 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back of church, and the page numbers for those are shown on the screen. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Nikki, thank you very much. Please keep that very famous psalm open in front of you. You might be wondering what we're doing in Psalm 23. Well, if you've been here throughout this term, you'll know we've just finished a series in 2 Timothy, a letter written by an older minister to a younger minister, encouraging him to stand firm, stand firm against uh, things that are coming against him, uh, the tides of of the culture that might sweep him away from Jesus, uh, stand firm for the gospel. Uh, And Paul tells at the end of the letter how he has stood firm. He has fought the good fight. He has finished the race. He has kept the faith. Uh, And as he's explaining uh, that race to Timothy, one of the things he says is, though everyone else deserts him, the Lord is at his side. And that is the thing that has helped him in the dark times, in the good times, to stand firm. He knows the Lord is with him. Okay, the Lord is with him. Okay, the Lord is with us. He promises to be with us. How does that help, you might think? I I know that. Okay, I hear that. People say that from the front, that the Lord is with you in the highs and lows of life. How does it help? And so today we thought we'd take a look at this very famous psalm. Because I think it gives us the answer. And therefore, it's an incredibly precious psalm. I guess some of us may know it by heart if we uh, were brought up with this kind of thing. We maybe sung various different versions of it. But it's such a beautiful psalm. It is filled with such tender imagery. And, And the big point of the psalm is to tell us who the Lord is. Who is this Lord who is with us? We need to know what he's like, because it's when we know what he's like, uh, when we know that he is completely trustworthy, when we know that he is our personal God, who is there for us and with us, and the more we know of him, the more our hearts will be captured by that truth that he stands by our side. And as our hearts are captured by that truth, it will strengthen and encourage us to stand firm. It is a psalm of David. It is often called a psalm of trust for exactly that reason. 
It is David dwelling on the God he loves, the God he worships, the God he serves, thinking of his character. And David thinks, because my God's like that, I can live through this. Whatever the this is, whatever, whatever the road is that he's called to walk. Because my God's like that, I can walk uh, through this. It's an incredibly personal song. You might have noticed there are lots of me's, my's, and I's all the way through. And it's David's psalm. But God put it in the Bible because he encourages each and every one of us to make it our psalm. A psalm we can sing about the Lord who is our shepherd. And why that is such good and wonderful news. Remember in Sunday, I guess we're thinking about uh, lots of dark days uh, that have happened on this planet in the last century and even before then. Uh, Lots of difficult times and lots of people who faced death and bloodshed and war and violence. Uh, Lots of believers who faced those things have taken great encouragement and comfort from precisely this psalm. And as we thought about in 2 Timothy, if you want to follow Jesus, it might not be a war that you're involved in, uh, in a sort of physical battle, uh, but we have been told there will be hard days. There will be persecutions. There will be a spiritual war that we're all engaged in. And knowing who this God is will strengthen our hearts to trust him and stand firm. There's loads we could draw out of it, but I'm going to just draw three things. And here's the first one. The provision of the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I don't know. Maybe the words are so familiar, we, we sort of don't get stunned by them. If, if I have God, says David, if I have the Lord, I lack nothing. I do not need anything else. Can I be very honest? I struggle to remember that and live like that from day to day. I think I need so much money in my bank account in order to pay my bills. I think I need uh, maybe certain friends around me at all times. I think I need these other things. But David says, the Lord is my shepherd. I like nothing. David says, if you really know the Lord, if you really know who he is, this caring, tender shepherd that he's going to describe to us, then you will realize that what Martin Luther said is true. Martin Luther said, the one who has God and everything has no more than the one who has God. The one who has God and everything has no more than the one who has God. He is sufficient. Now, you might have questions about that, but let's just move on to see why David thinks he's sufficient. Let's see why it is such a great thing for him to have the Lord with him. Verse 2, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. This tender shepherd, this good shepherd, provides... He provides food and water, and perhaps most importantly of all in this psalm, 
rest, because that's really where the emphasis is. Now, if you think about a shepherd, you're probably thinking, uh, or, or flocks of sheep, you're probably thinking about maybe somewhere in the peaks, nice green, grassy landscape everywhere, and they're just rolling around, bumbling around all over the place, just eating what they want. In the, in the ancient Near East, though, shepherding's a very different business. Can you see that there? It's a bit of a blurry picture, sorry, but it's quite a dry place. And it's not green grass everywhere. There are little tufts of grass here and there. And the shepherd has to lead and guide. You know, you can kind of let flocks of sheep roam a bit in, in, our, in our countryside because they can find the grass. It's everywhere. Uh, but, but here, the shepherd needs to guide them to the tufts of grass. And because there's just little bits of grass... Uh, you know, they have to have a quick snack and then they have to move on to the next bit and then the next bit and then the next bit. Uh, and water is pretty scarce. So again, you have to find a pool of water where you can that's drinkable for the sheep and then you have to move them on. And you can't rest. You've always got to be moving on to the next place. But, but look, look what this shepherd does. He makes me lie down. The Lord can provide so abundantly that I can stay. And rest with him. I don't need to keep moving on and go looking for the next thing. And the quiet waters, you, you probably think of a still pool. Really more accurately, it's probably waters of restfulness. The waters you can rest beside. It's the same point. There's so much that he's providing, you don't need to move on. In the ancient world, the shepherd was often uh, an image that a king would use to talk about themselves as they ruled their people, because shepherding was a hard job. You needed to find uh, those bits of grass, those pools of water. You needed to have vision and insight and direction, and you needed to have authority to move the sheep along, and you needed to be strong to fight off any predators uh, and all the rest of it. But, But David says, the Lord is my shepherd, and he provides abundantly. Enough for us to rest and lie down with him. That is an amazing thing. It would have been amazing for them. Uh, And obviously the nation of Israel had experienced this as God brings them out of Egypt. And what does he do? He gives them a promised land where they can rest. Where he can provide for all their needs. I'm not sure any age has ever needed to know this about God more than ours. Because we live in a world of restless dissatisfaction. Isn't it true? People are constantly looking for the next thing. Instagram doesn't help. As people show you their picture-perfect lives, which are lies, generally. uh, And they try and invite you and say, well, look, have this great thing that I have. Come on holiday where I go on holiday. Have the relationship I've got. And we think, well, if only I had that, maybe I'd be satisfied. Maybe I'd find rest. And, And it leads us, and the advertising that we see all around us is, this is the thing you need for your life. And it leads us to be dissatisfied, constantly on the move, constantly on the lookout for the next thing. It's not just me, is it? That is the world we inhabit. And spiritually speaking, of course, that can be a very dangerous thing. When we allow our dissatisfaction to grow, we can start looking for the next spiritual thing. Well, maybe Jesus isn't quite the thing for me. Maybe this Christianity stuff's not. Well, let's maybe have a look somewhere else. 
because we think God is just a tuft of grass. Maybe okay for today, but I'm going to have to move on tomorrow. Well, David says, no, the Lord leads you to lie down in green pastures. He supplies more abundantly. He provides overwhelmingly so that you can rest in him. And you need to see God as this providing, caring, tender shepherd. See, in this world of dissatisfaction, people look to any number of other things to solve their problems. Let's just take a historical example of technology. Technology can be a great thing, uh, but it was the thing, wasn't it, that was supposed to be uh, reducing uh, the amount of work we had to do. You know, you have automatic machines now that they can do things for you so that uh, human beings don't have to actually put in as much labor and effort. Uh, And has that been the result? Well, actually, it's been the exact opposite, hasn't it? Technological advancements from the light bulb to the smartphone have made it possible to work anywhere, anytime. And so people have started working everywhere and all the time. Uh, The thing that was supposed to reduce work and allow us to rest has ended up making us even more restless, searching even more uh, for something uh, to, to work for. And now we live in an age where everyone's on the go all the time. And the consequence of that, I think, is that we have forgotten that God is the good providing shepherd. So there was a time, wasn't there, I I think, I don't know if I remember it really, when people would would gather together to eat two or three times a day. And what would they do? They'd sit around the table together and they'd say grace. They'd give thanks. They'd remember, they'd look around at the people sharing the table with them, they'd look around at the food they had, and they would focus on what had been provided. But we live in an age now where we focus on what we don't have. We're prompted to to look at what's not been provided, and that breeds dissatisfaction. Because we forget that our good shepherd has given us so much. We live in an age with more stuff than we've ever had before, and yet everyone feels dissatisfied. Because we've forgotten the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. It's a really important practice, I think. It's one I'm not very good at at all. To pause during the day. Mealtimes are a great time to do it, and, and saying grace is a great way of doing it. And just to reflect on, what have I been provided with today? How has God provided for me today? To shift the focus away from the things we don't have, the things that then dissatisfy us, and remember the Lord is my shepherd, the one who leads me into abundant pastures and by waters of rest. And how has he been doing that today? It's a great practice. Do you know, I, I don't know, I've told some people this individually, I don't think I've said it from the front before, but um, secular counsellors, one of the things they encourage people to do who are weighed down with, with stress and anxiety is, at the end of the day, it's a really good practice to write down a list of thank yous. Now, I always find that quite funny because as a secular counsellor, they don't necessarily know who they're saying thank you to. But as Christians, don't we have even more reason to do something like that at the end of the day? To count our blessings? 
to, to look at the Lord who is our shepherd and say, how have you been providing for me today, Lord? Let me, let me say thank you. If you see the Lord like this, the providing, tender, caring shepherd, then dissatisfaction can be broken as you look on him and his goodness to you. It's something I need to get far better at, but as I've dwelt on it a bit this week, I can see thousands and thousands of kindnesses poured out on me daily. And all of a sudden, those those glittering things that, that seem far off and the things that try and attract me, you're like, yeah, okay, but wow, what have I got? And how much to be thankful for? And David says, remember that this is who the Lord is. He reminds himself that, that God is his tender shepherd. Why would we look anywhere else? Why would we drift off anywhere else? If we know him like this, it encourages us to stand firm, trusting him, the providing shepherd. The provision of the Lord then. The, the, the second thing is the paths of the Lord's. So as we pick it up in the middle of verse 3, he guides me along the right paths for his namesake. And first of all, that sounds really lovely and nice, but then just look what these paths are. Verse 4, even though I walk through the darkest valley. What David is saying here is God will guide you on the right paths. But he's not saying they're going to be the easy paths. The path he guides you down may be a dark valley. That's important because we're not saying, and we haven't been saying all term, that, that God is going, if God's with you, then you'll never experience any hardship or difficulty. No, no, no. David says, for his name's sake, for God's own glory, he will guide you in the right path. But that right path may be a very difficult one. Because God has plans for your life, which are, which are not just to give you an easy life. He wants to make you godly. He wants to draw you closer to him. He wants you to love and know and experience more of him, because as you do that, your heart is caught up in him. Your love for him grows, your trust in him grows, and as that happens... You are strengthened, not because you're strong, but because you realize how strong he is. The one you're clinging to. Uh, Now, a dark valley, even though I walk through the darkest valley. Now, again, think of that shepherding picture and a sheep going through a dark valley. Uh, A dark valley is dangerous. It's dangerous for a sheep for lots of reasons. Uh, They could lose their footing uh, and slip over. Uh, A dark valley's also got loads of places where predators can hide I want to jump out at you. Well, David goes on. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And a rod, a rod would be a weapon for a shepherd. It's like a stick, a club almost, that they would use when a predator came along to to sort of beat them off and fight them away. And a staff was a tool of support 
to keep footing level and steady so the shepherd could be there and support and guide a sheep along a rocky crag where the footing might have been loose or something like this. And so what David's saying is, I've come to know the Lord as this good shepherd. Yes, this providing shepherd, but, but this shepherd who, who takes me on a path that might not be easy, but it's the right one. It's the one he wants me on because he's got a good purpose and he has all the resources he needs to get me through it. He has a rod and a staff that can comfort me because I know he can fight my enemies for me when the predators come. And I know he is a strong and stable support with his staff that I can lean on. And I know that's true, says David. God is sufficient. He has all the resources we need. We often try to be self-sufficient, don't we? We have problems and we, we try and fix them ourselves. I'm just the same as everyone else. Because I forget that God is sufficient. Not only can he provide abundantly, but, but he is able to take me through any dark valley and pull me out the other side. I don't presume to know what dark valleys you guys have, have been through. And um, I know all of us will go through different ones at different times. But David claims, David says, with God, he is sufficient to keep you safe. Finally and ultimately safe. even when it's hard. So lean on him. And not only safe, but but God actually honours us through the valley. The picture changes from shepherd to host in verse 5. Maybe you can see it there. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So notice it's still not all cheery and light. There are still enemies around. You anoint my head with oil. Uh, My cup overflows. God is a, a good host gives to David uh, everything he needs and gives him a, a seat of honor and a banquet he prepares. He, he, he says, come and eat with me. Come and live with me. Come and be with me in your dark valley, in your difficult path. If you're going through a dark valley right now, Have you reflected on this psalm? If you're not going through a dark valley right now, have you reflected on this psalm? Because the beauty of this is, even if life's really good for you right now, even if you think, well, I've not got a really difficult life, well, it's worth dwelling on this. It's worth getting to know the character of God. It's worth getting to know that he is sufficient, that he is the provider, that he is good and tender and caring and strong and can fight your enemies for you. And you need to know that before you get stuck in the dark valley. Because if you're not sure about it, if you're not confident of it, that's when you're tempted to look elsewhere. Look for different sources of strength and support. Look for courage in different places. And ultimately, that will be a disaster because the Lord is the one who is the good shepherd.
I haven't had too many real tussles and struggles in my life, but, but there have been moments, there have been times, little seasons where uh, things seem to be falling apart in life or in ministry. It's in those moments that I, I learned the need to pray. In my last church where there were some pretty difficult disputes at one point, and I knew in my head before then that prayer was really important and really good. But, but as you see these difficult disputes and, and how people are going to respond to a situation, you just realize how helpless you are. And so you cling to the Lord and say, God, you're good. I know you're good. You've got good plans in this for me. You've got good plans in this for your church. Please help us be guided by you. And please help us rely on you. We need you, our shepherd. It can be tempting in ministry to think you've not been given what you need as you live your Christian life. If only I had a bigger ministry, or if only we had like twice as many students here. If only we had, uh, if only I had more gifts. If only, uh, you know, you can imagine. If only our CU was twice as big. If only we had a few more really committed evangelists. You've got the Lord. He's your shepherd. He's the one to cling to. He is sufficient. And he is a good and generous provider. Focus on those things. Well, the provision of the Lord, the paths of the Lord. Finally, the pursuit of the Lord. Because maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, this sounds lovely that the Lord is my shepherd, but, but how can I know? How do I really know that this is true? How, how can I really be sure that he will have my back and, and that he is sufficient for every trial and that I will lack nothing if I trust in him and in him alone? Well, look how David ends in verse 6. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Sounds lovely, doesn't it? But it's too soft. They've not translated it properly. It is not surely your goodness and love will follow me. It's surely your goodness and love will pursue me, will chase me down. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those well, I'm sure you probably have done, a nature documentary uh, with sort of lions or, tire, you know, big cats on, in, um, in Africa somewhere chasing prey. And they track them and track them and track them. And then you see this antelope or whatever it is trying to get away and they think they might have got away and then they're still there and they're still... And it's relentless and remorseless. Or maybe you've had a nightmare before about being chased. Uh, and you're sort of trying to get around the next corner, trying to hide in a, a hole somewhere or whatever. But it doesn't seem to matter what you do. They're still there. This person chasing you, you can't get away from them. Well, they're both quite sinister pictures, aren't they? David knew what it was to be chased. The guy who wrote this psalm. He was chased for ages by a mad king who wanted to kill him. He had to hide in caves as the elite guard 
traipsed around looking for him, just looking to stick a sword into him. And yet all that time, while Saul and his men were chasing him, David felt that there was someone else coming after him. And not with evil, but look, your goodness and love. And that word love is the word hesed. It's his, his covenant love, his, his committed, absolute faithfulness and kindness to his people. While Saul was coming after him, David said, actually, the, the one who's really coming after me is the Lord. And he's coming after me with goodness and love. And I know he is absolutely committed and I cannot get away. His goodness and his love will chase me down wherever I go. If your trust is in the Lord, the God of the Bible, that is a promise for you too. His goodness and love will chase you down wherever you go. He is committed to your good. How far will he chase you? He chased you all the way from heaven to earth. The Lord Jesus Christ, God become man. Such was his steadfast, committed love to his people. His people, like me and you, who'd got ourselves into a mess, the mess of sin that we've been thinking about already this morning, that that scars the world, that breaks relationships, that, that actually, most importantly of all, cuts us off from our God and Father in heaven. Makes us orphans. And and makes our future decidedly unpleasant. An eternity away from him. And Jesus says, I'm not going to let you keep taking that road. I'm coming after you. I'm chasing you down. That's how committed the Lord was to chasing his people down with goodness and love. And he came and he lived the life we couldn't live. We should have lived but couldn't live. And he, he dies in our place on the cross. And he rises again to new life to show that he secured us an eternal future under his rule as our king, as our, as our good shepherd king. And then he sends his spirit to live within our hearts by faith. And as we trust him, and as that spirit get, his spirit gets to work in our hearts by faith, We grow to know more of this God. His word becomes bright to us. His love becomes more and more real. And we see his absolute commitment to chase us down with goodness and love and to guide us in the right path that will take us to him for all eternity. If the Lord is your shepherd, you are provided for now and forever. David knew that. And he encourages us to dwell on that truth. And to be drawn into deeper and deeper love and trust of the shepherd God.
who will lead us home, who keeps us safe, now and forever. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, help us to know you like this. Help us to know of your character, that you are the good, tender, providing shepherd God who guides your people all the way home, who's committed to your people. As we know that of you, May that knowledge sink into our hearts. May it fill our hearts with deeper love and trust for you. And we pray that as we do that, it would enable us to cling to you, not not to go looking elsewhere for other shepherds that will guide us on wrong paths, and not to go looking elsewhere for the next new thing, but help us to dwell delighted in your good and abundant provision. And help us to know your utter commitment to us. So committed that in your son you became man. Came down to this broken world to rescue us and to fix it. Thank you for your committed, steadfast love in his precious name. Amen.